0: I uh, speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple of Fridays ago, the uh, first reading of evening prayer was taken from 1 Kings 6. The passage is a detailed description of the building of the temple, and it describes measurements, materials, and the decoration that was used. Now, I was discussing this passage with uh, a friend with whom I was taking EP and trying to work out what on earth was the relevance or the value of all this construction detail to us. And whilst we were talking, as you know, hear, I was sort of scanning through the passage again. And I noticed a paragraph in the middle of it that actually made me stop and think. Have a listen. Now, the word of the Lord came to so Solomon concerning this house that you are building. If you will walk in my statutes, obey my ordinances, and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will establish my promise with you, which I made to your father David. I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. So what do you think is unusual about that? You might well ask. Well, at first glance, God seems to be confirming Solomon's building project. Agreeing the rules under which the temple would operate, but then I looked at it again and I thought, I've read that, I've read that wrong. It's the inference is wrong. It shouldn't be concerning the house you're building if you're walking my statutes. It should be concerning this house you're building if you walk in my statutes. So God is actually not saying this is all about the house. The covenant is simple. Follow my commandments, obey my statutes, and I'll be with you forever. I will live in the hearts of my children, not in a huge palace. And did someone take any notice? Well, no, he didn't actually. He totally ignored God's word and carried on building them. But his actions are the clue that links today's readings with creation time. So just hold that thought. And then think back to some of the passages we've seen recently from Mark, Jesus is saying the same thing. It's not about status. Think of the parable of the Pharisee and the poor man praying. Think of the Eye of the Needle parable about the young man who wants to know what he could do to get into the kingdom of heaven, but wasn't prepared to give up for all his riches. And then we start to get a picture of a world that's being turned upside down. The teaching of Jesus was radical because it did reverse the norm. The rich should give everything to the poor and the powerful should become servants to the lowly. Whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. So Jesus talks about the kingdom and he argues that the values are assigned differently than in the human domain. In the ancient world there was a huge disparity between the social classes. But as is increasingly the case in our contemporary society, most of the wealth was accumulated at the very top of the social structure, whilst the majority of the people remained poor. And within this ancient world, honour and status were all important. The rich would only associate with the rich, and they shunned or ignored the poor deliberately emphasised the class structure which they topped. It was an elitist society and the poor had no access to it and very little, in fact almost no chance, of attaining it. So Jesus' words are even more radical than they may at first appear. Because he's saying that to achieve real honour one has to receive those whom society rejects. Thus, reversing the logic on which their society was built. But like Solomon, does anybody really want to hear this? Our contemporary society differs in many ways, but there are increasing similarities and dynamics which we would do well to listen to. We seek status through cars, through clothes, through houses, titles, and the latest gadgets did you know when the apple iphone was released it was available in three versions stainless steel version an aluminium version and a gold version which cost upwards of ten thousand pounds for a gadget that will be out of date within two years the only conceivable need for a gold version of this would be status demonstrating the owner's wealth and the means to be able to spend without any correlation between value or need. Now, if you can say that anything good has come out of global warming, I guess the only thing you could say is that now more people are aware of the impact of, of consumerisation on the planet. But again, recognising this issue doesn't actually mean that anyone's going to do anything about it, or change lifestyles, or the pursuit of status. That's for someone else, and it's increasingly obvious that the actions and decisions we take on a daily basis have ramifications on others that we may not even ever consider, but do we anything about it. The lower cost of meat from a popular supermarket in Wokingham is created through deforestation of the Amazon jungle to create land for cattle. The UK government continues to push ahead with the approval of the Cambo oil field which is estimated will produce up to 255 million barrels of oil over its lifetime, releasing an estimated 132 million tonnes of CO2 So-called marine protection areas around our coastline are being ignored by a concentrated dragging or bottom trawling to fishing practice that herds and captures the target species by towing a net along the ocean floor. This type of trawling releases as many emissions as the whole global aviation industry. Just think about that, the whole global aviation industry. And yet, despite, uh, despite seemingly turning a blind eye to these and the other practices, we're heading into COP26, the United Nations Climate Change Conference, and we're purporting to be a world leader in taking action and committed to reducing carbon emissions to net zero by 2040. Really? Even the Church of England has not yet pulled out of its investment in fossil fuels. China, alongside America, one of the worst countries for CO2 emissions, has agreed not to 2040 but to 2060. Are we serious about this? Are we paying lip service to it or are we just leaving it up to everybody else? In my own block of flats, there are approximately 40 flats. There's a recycling bin and a food recycling bin. And everybody was given these little small plastic containers and a nice supply of green bags in which to put our food waste. Every week, the food recycling bin, the great big blue thing, has no more than four or five bags of green waste. Whilst the general recycling bins, of course, are full up with Amazon and cardboard boxes, and the general rubbish bins, and this is the bit that really gets me are full of bags containing food and recyclable tins and plastic bottles. Can't we even be bothered? Now living in Wokingham, we're relatively comfortable, most of of us are, and can generally view incidents from afar. But I wonder how we fit, if we've been subject to some of the recent events worldwide, some of those disasters that tragically demonstrated the destructive power of nature when it's unbalanced. How would we as a community feel will react if we lost houses, livelihoods, and jobs to the fire or flooding? Yeah, I'm sure we would have all pulled together to help support and care for those in need. That's what we do. But a big question after the event is what would we do differently? as towns and communities are being slowly rebuilt, would we have learned the lessons? Or would we just carry on and do everything the same to just try and regain that position to rebuild as it was before? And will those governments have had to support those who've lost their houses or their jobs and undertake the huge rebuilding and the redevelopment projects. Will they act differently? Will they just put up taxes? So they can leave their own agenda. And what do we say to those people in the poorer nations who now have nothing? Those who've lost everything and don't have a government or an infrastructure to rebuild? What do we say? Sorry we're reducing our foreign aid because we expect them looking after ourselves. Where in all this is being Christ-like? In our first reading today, James argues where there's envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings? You want something and you don't have it, so you commit murder. You covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. This was written 2,000 years ago, and yes, They had different problems, but they were fueled by the same events, the same conflicts and disputes, the same desire for status and power, the very same things we embrace today whilst ignoring the things that really matter and will affect our lives and the lives of our children. Taking seriously the vision of the kingdom of God brought forth in Mark's Gospel, should give us all cause to reconsider our actions we Re- reconsider with whom we socialize and reconsider what food we eat might even be nice to think about whether watering our lawns is really necessary all of our decisions all of our lifestyle choices have ramifications and those ramifications will impact the very least of us but will soon start to impact ourselves. We can all do something about this. Or, like Solomon, we can just carry on the way we're going and continue to ignore the word of God. Whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all.